Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface, TalkSport's Chief Football Correspondent, Alex Crook, and the former Arsenal winger, Perry Groves. Here we are looking at what was a thrilling Premier League weekend, and this is what's coming up on the show. Always looks better when the goalkeeper goes full length. Jordan Pickford actually goes full length, and Hanacho's like, absolutely, mate, you ain't getting anywhere near it. Is that already a top 10 Premier League goal of all time? Yeah. Yeah, it has to be. At this moment in time, if you put in the 10-point deduction and their points per game ratio, they'll get 34 points. 34 points has only been enough once in 31 seasons to keep you in the Premier League. Everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. The Chelsea game, where if Son scores when it's 1-0 and he's a toe offside, that could be 4 or 5. Van der Ven obviously pulls his hamstring. James Madison gets injured. They've just lost a little bit of ruthlessness, I think. You know, Haaland... His numbers are phenomenal, but he's not quite the same Erling Haaland that he was last season. Alvarez, start, Alvarez started the season superbly. His stars waned a little bit as well. So I think there's an opportunity this year. I, I certainly don't think Man City are as good this season as they were last. Hello, Barry. Uh, who's, uh, he's, he's in lively mood today, by the way. He's got a lot to say because he doesn't think that Arsenal have had enough attention for going top of the table. What? Last time match of the day? Right. You're having a laugh? Well, look, OK, we'll get into it, don't Why worry. Why are you talking about the BBC on a TalkSport podcast? Yeah, there's no, there's no one watch match today then. You didn't watch match today? No? I fell asleep by the time today. your game came yeah, on. we were laughing, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Crookie, you all right? You're in a good mood? A very good mood. Top of the form table still. Emphatic away win. Three... Forward players on the score sheet for Manchester United. Oh, sorry. What more about can you ask for? I thought you were talking about Aston Villa. <laughs> Aston Villa is surely top of the table in terms of form. Was it 22 points since the last international, uh, the September international break? Outstanding form. And should have been four, five, one down at half time. <laughs> and Unai Emery makes like good substitutions. There's a shock. Manager making actually substitutions at half time. I tell you what, though, Manchester United themselves could have been behind as well during that game against uh, Everton at Goodison Park. We'll get into that in just a few moments. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur losing uh, for a third successive game despite scoring first in a third successive game. Chelsea absolutely blitzed by Newcastle. We didn't have any players, but they seem to have enough to beat uh, Chelsea on Saturday afternoon. And the big encounter between Manchester City and Liverpool. All to come here on Premier League All Access. So stick with us. Let's start, though, at Goodison Park. And you guessed it. It's Erling Haaland to finish it. He takes another Premier League record. Salah into Trent. Alexander-Arnold finishes it. Brilliantly from the edge of the area and into the far corner. Manchester City 1, Liverpool 1. What a goal! Thomas Suchik! 
volleys it home as West Ham turn it around and break Burnley hearts at Turf Moor. Sheffield United won, Bournemouth three, no contest as one-sided a game as you could see. Newcastle four, Chelsea one, running riot and it's Anthony Gordon. That's the noise that tells you they finally won their first ever home game in the Premier League. Luton two. Crystal Palace won. Brentford nil, Arsenal won. And just guess who the goal scorer is. Some people say he's not good enough to be the football club. It's Kai Havertz. Wouldn't you just know it? Tottenham one, Aston Villa two, Ollie Watkins. Oh my word, what a start at Goodison Park and what a goal. You will not see a better finish than this all season. And it's Alejandro Garnacho who's got it with a stunning overhead kick. Everton's problems continue as they stay deep in the relegation zone. Everton nil, Manchester United three. Well, Everton were well beaten by Manchester United in terms of scoreline. They didn't have some great opportunities in the game, but they had a real bad setback. I mean, they went to all that effort to create what was a bare pit of an atmosphere. It was really ramped up before the game with the, the pink cards and the and, and just the noise whenever the Premier League were mentioned or any Premier League hauling came out. And then within two minutes, Alejandro Garnacho, or are you going to say Hanacho now? Hanacho, Alejandro Hanacho. He calls himself Hanacho, but okay. we'll, we'll stick with Garnacho. Yeah, you, you do what you want. Um, he scores the I'm going to call him Pele. Are you? Because he scored the goal of the season. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. I said to you on air, I thought it was better than Rooney's against Manchester City. Yeah, Rooney's, to be fair, against Man City was a bit of a shinner, wasn't it? And by the way, Diego Dallo, that's not an assist. Do you know what I mean? When you're crossing it. <laughs> and to be fair to Harnacho or Garnacho, yeah. he's actually run away from the goal, hasn't he? He's got two or three steps behind him to get himself. So the athleticism, the, uh, the agility that he showed and... I was saying to you, Sam, on air, when it's a great feeling because as he's made contact and it's the proper, uh, proper volley where it's right in the centre of the ball, as he's coming down, he just turns his left, over his left shoulder because he thinks, that's got a chance. <laughs> then he can actually see it arrowing in the top corner. It always looks better when the goalkeeper goes full length. Jordan Pickford actually goes full length. And Hanacho's like, don't be silly, mate, you ain't getting anywhere near it. And then he just like completely, that bear pit you said there, just completely took the, the wind out of everybody's sails. Is that already a top 10 Premier League goal of all time? Yeah. I think it has to be. And uh, I think you'll do well to see a better goal this season. I'm, I'm delighted because I think the boy is, is a real talent. You know, you look at some of the, the big moments he's come up with already, that winner against Fulham um, last season when United were struggling. And I've been crying out for him to be given more game time. Obviously, Ten Hag has got a bit of a blind spot when it comes to Anthony because they paid so much money for him. But I think he's the real deal, this kid. And I think he deserves to, to make that wing place his own. Uh, another player who did quite well, actually, for Manchester United is a player who they wanted to bring in in the summer. He'd done very well on the pre-season tour and had impressed Ten Hag behind the scenes in Kobe Mainu. Uh, he got the opportunity to start for the first time this season after an injury hit a couple of months. And he was impressive, too. Well, we've said as well that May United need legs, don't they, in the midfield, playing next to uh, McTominay. And the thing that impressed me as well, um, he's very, very good on the ball. You want legs, but when he actually gets to the ball, he calms himself down. And his decision, his, pass, uh, his passing is very, very good as well, you know. So he can re be really pleased with his evening's work, shall we say? Yeah, I would suggest evening. Evening, yeah, dark. early, early, felt, early felt, evening's work. evening-ish. And, and it went on until the evening. Uh, but not as long as the, 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 the Tottenham game. We'll talk about that in just a second. But let's talk about Everton because 
They dominated a lot of that match. They played quite well in spells in that match, but didn't score enough goals. And is that going to be their undoing? Yeah, probably, uh, because they're so reliant on Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's still not quite the Dominic Calvert-Lewin of old. Will he ever be the Dominic Calvert-Lewin of old when you look at the number of injuries that he's had over the past couple of seasons? But it didn't surprise me they dominated large parts of the game because you had the protest before the match. Sean Dyche, we've been talking about, would have been trying to create that siege mentality in training all week. And Goodison Park is a difficult place to go anyway. So I have to admit, as a United fan, I'm pleasantly surprised by the emphatic nature of the scoreline. You look absolutely relieved, actually, to be yeah. honest with you. You didn't think they'd have three shots on target quicker, let them score three. I'd have taken a point before the game. Well, all the, the wins have been by the old goal, haven't they, this yeah. season? That's, to be fair to Tenard, They've been averaging 1.1 goal per game before today. Yeah, I think it was 12 goals, they had, didn't they, yeah. in their 13 games. But to be fair, sorry, in their 12 games, to be fair to um, Ten Hag, out of his 51 games, he's won 31 out of 51 games he's been in charge, which is the best record, isn't it, in the first He's had a lot games. to deal with, you know. You, this off takeover pitch, saga pitch. has been going on for more than a year now. You've got absentee owners. There's been a lot of injuries this season. There's still far too many stories coming out of the dressing room for my liking. United's best, one of their best performances of the season. No Varane, no Casemiro. Is that a coincidence? Well, you Ganacho think, you started, think that was one of their best Anthony. performances of the season? Well, it's, it's not difficult, is it? They could have been, There's not been too many. <laughs> but they could have been two or three down. Calvert-Lewin, but to be fair though, Anana stepped up. He made like, he a stepped up for decent, the last six weeks. couple of decent saves. So, um, And you mentioned about Everton. I think Everton will get themselves out of trouble because I think we've... Calvert-Lewin, I saw him at the London Stadium where he scored a great goal against West Ham. The Corey's scoring goals. They just didn't have that clinical edge to him today, did they? Because no. I say, uh, Calvert-Lewin missed two guilt-edged chances. If you follow the trend, they should get around about 34 points this season. In Even times with the deduction. By, with, with the deduction. So 34 with the deduction. Well, about if that deduction is well, less Obviously, points. if it's less than, they'll yeah. have more. But at this moment in time, if you put in the 10-point deduction and their points per game ratio, they'll get 34 points. 34 points has only been enough once in 31 seasons to keep you in the Premier League. Do you know their problem? Luton. I, th I think Luton are capable of finishing above Everton. What would you say their um, form at Kenilworth Road? Because uh, and not, not, not just that, actually. I, I think if, if you look at it, obviously they, they they took a couple of beatings early in the season away at Brighton and at Stamford Bridge when they thought they were really poor. They've been in every game since then, Luton. I, I think Rob Edwards is proving himself to be a very good top-flight manager. Got, I, I think they've got a bit of spirit about them. Pace up front, Ogbeni, don't they? Morris. Well, he's the fastest player in the Premier League, and we will talk about them in the next uh, section. But in terms of Everton. Um, they were pretty aggrieved, I think, about giving away a second-half penalty. It's kind of the big talking point. Now, I thought it was a penalty, having looked at it. Crook thinks it's a penalty. Perry's having a turn here. He thinks it wasn't a penalty. No, I, I don't think it was a penalty. The reason being is um, when Martial actually goes to take on Ashley on, Ashley Young goes to pull his leg away, and Martial leaves his left foot out to initiate the contact. He puts his leg out? No, then he takes it away, because he knows what Martial's going to try and do, and he puts it standing... So I think that Martial has initiated the contact. It's about as clear a penalty as you'll see all day. Uh, we'll see what Sean Dyche says about that, shall we? Well, well we know what Sean, Sean Dyche is going to say. <laughs> you and no, the ginger mafia. No more, no more questions you're on now. <laughs> he'll, he'll be balanced about it. Of course he will be. But we said as well, the reason it was overturned is because John Brooks' referee had booked Martial for diving and that's why VAR got involved. Otherwise, he wouldn't have got involved. Well, it, because basically, by booking him for diving, he's saying that there was no contact, contact between the exactly. two players. 
Therefore, that is a clear and obvious error. The VAR can engage and say, well, actually, there was contact between the two, so you better go and have a look at it. By doing that, he has to go and look at the monitor. Once he's then reviewed the monitor, he can see there's a penalty. I actually don't think, if John Brooks had said, I saw the contact, but it's not enough for a penalty, I don't think it would have then been overturned. But because he's booked him for diving and said, he's, he's, he's not got any touch on the ball, uh, and he's got no touch on the player, therefore... That's a clear and obvious error because he certainly did, and that's why he went over to the. So VR has actually worked. VR has worked. Yes. Well, well, apart from you, because you don't think it was a penalty. No, I don't think it's a penalty. Don't think it's enough. It's an obvious penalty. Uh, Rashford taking it was. Why was that? Was that because they needed to get him on the, the score sheet, or mullet. because uh, Fernandez wasn't reliable from the spot? What, which way was it? Well, Fernandez isn't reliable from the spot, but I think there was an element of needing to get Rashford on the score sheet. I've got to say, he took the penalty really well. I think his penalty taking technique was. Probably better than the new hairdo. I'm not a massive fan of that. Oh, it's a ginger honest. thing. Can't have a ginger. Why can't someone have a ginger mullet? It's not enough ginger. We said the other week that mullets were coming back. Yeah, well, there's a lot of mullets around, definitely. That's for sure. I think Crookie should have a mullet. I think he'd be. I think it'd probably suit. I could him. pull it off. I think. Yeah. Be breaky, breaky heart. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that big boost from Manchester United ahead of what is a a very big week because they're in the Champions League and they've got to win their game uh, in midweek in Istanbul. Everton fans may be a little bit more concerned, I think, after what they saw uh, today, just because they had so many opportunities and didn't end up converting them. Uh, similar sort of story, actually, in the game at Tottenham Hotspur, and Crooks just got back from that. Spurs won, Aston Villa two. A Villa leapfrogging Spurs into the top four with a, a win in North London. Three defeats in a row for Tottenham. But I think more concerning than that is that they've taken the lead in all of those games and still lost. And it's because they haven't backed that up. Yeah, they were wasteful. I mean, they could have been at least two up, even before they did take the lead with that deflected Lacelso goal. I think Kulusevski, having done the hard work, probably has to score. All right, he's unlucky, it's come back off the post. Son, uncharacteristically, has missed a really good opportunity. They had chances before that. And then even once they went 1-0 they up, Brennan Johnson was wreaking havoc. Kulusevski was really impressive in that first half. But they couldn't put Villa to the sword. And to be fair to an Emery, he made a couple of changes at half-time. Uh, Leon Bailey on for Matty Cash. Cash having booked for what I thought was a really awful tackle, actually, mm. on Benton Court. Took him out of the game. And I know by the, the rule book it isn't a red card. But to quote footballers, he's gone to do him. He knows what he's doing there. In, yeah, he's gone to hurt him. Without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. So I thought that was poor. But Bailey comes on and, and transformed the game because Udogi, who I think has been one of Tottenham's best players this season, was really causing mayhem in that first half with the way he was getting in down the left-hand side. With Bailey there to occupy that space, he couldn't get forward. Bailey was a real threat on the counter-attack. Tiedemann just come on in midfield, which was a problem for Villa in the first half. And he set up the winner, brilliantly taken by Ali Watkins. I think actually in the second half, Villa were much the better team. Both teams had chances, both goalkeepers made saves. Mm. But probably on the base of the second 45 minutes, Villa deserved it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it was an odd decision not to play a centre-back from Postacoglu, wasn't it? I think um, he put Emerson Royal there because he wanted a bit of pace. He, didn't, he doesn't trust Eric Dyer, does he? And obviously Ben Davis is there. And you saw that, as you said, not playing centre-back, when, with Ollie Watkins' goal, when he came in and he, he came deeper, didn't he, in that little 10 position, when he, he, he had enough time to turn. One of the centre-halves has got to go in yeah. and engage him. So he's got enough time to turn with Tielemans. I think Tielemans actually gave Aston Villa more control in the midfield area. He's done Absolutely. it a couple of times coming on as a sub, isn't he, for Villa? He looks fitter now than what he did at, at Leicester. He's getting there, I think. Yeah, so he gave him that little bit more sort of security in there. Um, and what's happened with Spurs is, beginning of the season, everything that could have gone their way did 
if you think about the two late goals against Sheffield United, you think the um, goal uh, disallowed for Liverpool, which should have been a goal. The penalty they, should have been given in the United game. In the United game as well. We had to mention right run, but we're trying to forget about that. And then, all of a sudden, everything that can go wrong has got wrong. The, the Chelsea game, where if Son scores when it's 1-0 and he's a toe offside, that could be 4 or 5. Van der Ven obviously pulls his hamstring. James Madison gets injured. And even today... Romero gets sent off. Romero gets sent off. But that... That's not bad luck. That's just, right, stupid play from him. But the other, all the other stuff is bad luck. And then even today, Son had three goals disallowed for offside. Mm. And two of them were, again, on the borderline, weren't yeah. they? Right on the line. So well, VAR just, wasn't working in, in, initially, was it? Was it any lines? Was it for the... Was it so the, the, the first few minutes of the goal? game, there was a shout for a penalty. Brian Hill got an elbow in the face from Esri Konza. And Tottenham fans actually think they should have had a penalty for that. But VAR wasn't working. Is that right? <laughs> So I'm not switching Has on. Has VAR ever been working in yeah. the Premier League? Well, they didn't plug it in or didn't switch it <laughs> I on? I think they forgot to press what? the on button. Has anybody seen the screen <laughs> by the side of the pitch? Yeah, I don't know whether just, you know, someone had turned up late or something so they didn't have it for the first 10 minutes or something. I don't know. It felt like a big win for Villa, though, because their home form obviously has been exceptional. They've won every game at home this season. Away from home, it's been more of a struggle. So to go to Tottenham, albeit with Tottenham missing key players, and to come from behind and win... I think that's a, a statement that they're going to be part of the conversation in terms of what, that fourth what place. What conversation? The top fourth four? place, top four, top six, what? No, fourth place. You know, Liverpool, United, sorry, Liverpool, City and Arsenal are going to finish in the top three. It's in what order they finish. That fourth place is basically a shootout between Newcastle... You are going to chuck United, didn't you? Yeah, I am, yeah. Newcastle, Manchester United, Tottenham... Has he been in the bar before he came? Brighton. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it was? And points? Villa. All right, OK. Because I'm not putting Chelsea in the mix this Chelsea moment in time. No, I'm not. Carl Walker was putting them in for the title No, we talked about top four. Not <laughs> so so top I think, I think you've got relegated. five teams competing for that fourth spot. And it's actually very difficult for us to say with any certainty who's going to finish fourth. Well, Villa. Who do you think will finish fourth? I think if they back Unai Emery and Jan Transfer. I think though, they will. Because their squad isn't deep enough. And he's done brilliantly managing the Open Conference League. You know, like Thursdays and Sundays. Where everybody moans, isn't they, about Thursdays Sundays. And he's been fine. But what you said there... They could have been four, four down at half-time today, crap. away from I mean, home. That's, we are getting a little bit carried away with recency bias. The fact of the matter is, is that they were very lucky to get all three points today. He's got a thing about They've Emery and They've been very lucky at other games as well to get through certain scenarios. They are a good team, and when they're on form, they are, they're making hay when the sun shines, especially at home. But, you know, today, for example, as you know, they could have been three or four down before they got their goal. But you, you say recency bias. Unai Emery's been there 13 months now. Mm. When he took over, they were 16th. Yeah. They were going nowhere under Steven Gerrard. Yeah. They're fourth in the table. They've picked up more wins in this calendar year than at any point previously yeah. in their Premier League history. And they're the form team in the league. At the so that's not time. recency bias. Unai Emery over the last 13 months has worked no, no. miracles. No, no, you're, you're turning my question around saying completely different. Recency bias suggesting now they're going to finish in the top four. I think they're contenders. Well, everyone's a contender at this moment in time because it's so oh, competitive Chelsea. at the top. Who do you Chelsea. think will finish fourth? I think it will be Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal that. and... Newcastle. I think Newcastle got a great shout. To be fair, that's good as well. They've got a centre-half like Paul Torres can score goals as well. He's playing really well. He's, he's played adapted. very well. He's adapted to the Premier League. Some quite, people weren't sure at the well, start, were they? I do think side. that he's made mistakes in the early part of the season, as I thought he would, because I didn't think he had the pace to adapt to the Premier League. It's, it's taken him three or four months. He's guessing there. This vehicle is reversing. <laughs> <laughs> there was a stage, Perry, when uh, Unai Emery had been in, in situ for a while, and... and 
one in our numbers said, well, I don't really see that. They're not that different to when Steven Gerrard was there. And I don't think that's, that, then that's you, a then you looked at the lie. You looked at the league table and the form table and the stats suggested otherwise. It's interesting yeah. how you can just make up stories and change the narrative completely. Should we go back to uh, your assertion about Newcastle United not finishing above Aston Villa? We did a, a big event in Newcastle. I still Friday fancy night. Villa to, to finish above Newcastle. Said to me, Whatever you do, don't mention the fact that I think that <laughs> Newcastle are going to finish lower. So he's playing Villa. to the crowd, was he? He was playing to the crowd, yeah. No, your audience. And he said, oh, where's my mate Jason Tinder? Like it. Somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's move on before the banter takes over the podcast. Uh, or oh, if you could call it that. On Saturday's uh, action, uh, there was quite a bit to discuss. And let's start with the big game at the Etihad. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, what the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ake's got it and he's won it very high up and he's poked it through the Harland. Inside the air, left foot is shut towards the far corner. Mistake has been ruthlessly punished, and you guessed it, it's Erling Haaland to finish it. He takes another Premier League record and smashes it to bits. The fastest man to 50 Premier League goals, and by some distance. Alvarez puts his left hand in the air as he looks to aim this in towards the far post. It's right under Allison, who's dropped it, and it's poked at the far post by Ruben Diaz. Now the referee is initially going to rule out the goal for a foul. Salah into Trent, Alexander-Arnold who finishes it! Brilliantly from the edge of the area, driving the ball low and hard and into the far corner and he gets the equaliser. He goes running over to the corner flag. He puts his finger to his lips to silence the Etihad crowd. Well, Manchester City won, Liverpool won, big result at uh, lunchtime on Saturday. City failing to win a home game for the first time in 2023. I spoke to Carl Walker after he summed it up uh, quite nicely after the game. I thought he sounded like a manager, manager actually, yeah. during the course of the interview. He was saying, you know, half. disappointed <laughs> with, the result, with the result, but not the performance. The performance was great. Um, and then listed every team in the Premier League that could be uh, title contenders. Did United get a mention? As well. No. 
No, they didn't. <laughs> um, Is that Manchester they... Regency bias? <laughs> <laughs> Are these two the top two, do you think? What? Man City and Liverpool. Yeah. He's not no. going to say that, is he? No. So I, I, said, <laughs> I, asked him. I said beginning of the season, I thought Arsenal would win it and everybody um, so did I. me. Yeah. So, um, just look, I, I, I'm not going to change. Man City were very good in the first half. And Excellent. Again, they, they missed chances where they, they could have been maybe one or two uh, goals uh, up a little bit more. But I think when you're playing against Man City, and I think they've lost that air of invincibility because when they're going up in the past... Other teams would think, we're done now. They've got too much control of the game. There's no chance of getting back into it. I mentioned against Chelsea, they're up three times. Obviously, Chelsea pulled them back and ended up drawing 4-4. Um, against Liverpool, they should have been maybe two or three up. And then in the second half, Liverpool come back into it and Jurgen Klopp just tweaks it a little bit. So I think they've lost that, um, say, that invincibility. And I actually think that Arsenal uh, will win the title. And it will be Liverpool second and Man City third. That is a massive that shout. A That's woke you both up, isn't it? That is a huge that claim. That is a huge claim. Uh, well, well, we'll follow that with interest because already, before we've even finished this particular section, Joe, the producer, has clipped that up and put that in the intro. And it's probably viral already. Um, in terms of the game itself, um, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was a really fascinating game. And I thought tactically it was really sort of, there was so many little nuances. For example, we know that Doku's a massive threat. I couldn't believe the amount of room that he was given by Liverpool and the lack of protection that Trent was given and then Matip as well in the second half there. And the way that basically Pep shifted his whole team over to the left. Akanji was the one pushing him from the left-hand side into midfield. Then on to Bernardo Silva, who drifted to the left in that sort of number 10 stroke left midfield position to feed Doku, who just went at Trent over and over and over again. And it did cause him all sorts of problems, didn't it? I mean, I know the goal didn't come from that, but it came from a mistake from Alisson, actually. Uh, but we were saying through the commentary, it's such a slender margin. If you don't get the second goal, then you're going to find yourself on the wrong end of a, a bloody nose. And that's what happened to them. But should they have had a second goal? Because they had a goal disallowed. I think they probably should. I think it was very soft. I think if there's any contact on the goalkeeper... It's minimal. Uh, I think there's too much protection for goalkeepers. But why now. is it okay for Allison to push him away initially and then get a touch back, and that's deemed a foul? That's what we can't work out. I, I was saying I think Chris Kavanagh, the referee, is trying to prove that he's been a bit too clever. I've seen something there because right. when you Akanji stands in front of Allison, obviously stop him coming for the cross, doesn't he? And Allison just sort of pushes him away, and it's not a push from Akanji. It's he, Barely brushes him. There's, there's he, well, it's definitely not enough for him to drop the ball the way. Yeah, and Alisson said you had, he had a bit of a shaky game in general. He did, yeah. Uh, but he pulled off a brilliant save from Phil Foden down to his left-hand side where it could have gone 2-0 to, uh, to Man City. But that is, that's not a foul. Because if you're no. going to give that as a foul, how many fouls are you going to give in the penalty area when there's corners, when there's like barging and pushing and players facing the other way and you know putting their hands around other players? So I don't, I don't think it's a foul. But it's not going to be overturned because it's not clear and obvious. I'm not surprised that you would think that after the uh, <laughs> Arsenal-Newcastle game. Um, oh, well, that was two-hand push, to be fair. That was right. it, Joe Linton. Who um, how many hands? How many hands? That's what Ian Wright was saying, wasn't he, on Saturday night. Um, Erling Haaland has got to 50 Premier League goals faster than any other player. But not by a little bit, by quite some margin. I mean, listen, he took his goal well and he was a threat not only... Um, 
going forward. He also helped out coming back this week as well. Yeah, he did. It was um, it was a really interesting performance from, from Erling Haaland and clearly maybe trying to work on other facets of his game apart from the goal scoring. But listen, I mean, you're right. It was it was a gift from the goalkeeper initially. Actually, I think he could have done better with it, with a shot as well, having got a hand to well, it. I think he was still surprised that Nathan Aki weaved his way past that was Shabosli and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Did that highlight and epitomise Trent Alexander-Arnold, though? Because in that right-back position where Aki comes inside him far too easy, just dangles out a left leg, then he comes mm. inside. It's a great little boy into Haaland. And then second half, he starts getting himself on the ball, coming into that inverted midfield place. Scores a brilliant and then goal. Gets, but it's his timing to get into that space at the edge of the 18-yard box, where his first touch is great. And he doesn't try and hit the um, laces out of the ball. He just like caresses it, doesn't he, with the instep of his right foot and gives Edison absolutely no chance down to his right, right-hand side. So um, that's the dilemma, isn't it? But Southgate's grab with Trent Alexander-Arnold mm. coming into the Euro. Well, that's why he plays him in the field. I think this is the difference, though, as Perry sort of articulated, between Man City last season when they swept all before them and, and, and won the treble and Man City this season. They've just lost a little bit of ruthlessness, I think. You know, Haaland, his numbers are phenomenal, but he's not quite the same Erling Haaland that he was last season. Alvarez, start, Alvarez started the season superbly. His stars waned a little bit as well. So I think there's an opportunity this year. I, I certainly don't think Man City are as good this season as they were last. Do I think it will be Arsenal? I did at the start of the season. I'm still a bit worried about their lack of firepower. I think Liverpool are going to be in the mix. I think we're going to get a three-team title race right to the very end. Well, I hope that Liverpool are in it because Jurgen Klopp uh, made me stand up in front of everybody yesterday <laughs> and he actually said to me, do you think we're in it? And what are you going to say? Yeah, and I do think they're in it. And I think they're a great price, actually, in terms of if you look at the, the other teams in the mix, I think they're probably the least they're favourites are they? out of the three. And I think, actually, they've got... There is a bit of now still there, by the way, from the previous uh, winners of uh, the, the, the Premier League a couple of seasons ago. So. And also, if it comes to it in the second half of the season, that they can bin off their European aspirations. Absolutely. Nobody cares if they win the um, Europa League or not. Absolutely. In the four positions, they, he plays the three up front. He's got uh, three from five, hasn't he? So he's got more, more choice in the He's in got the more weapons areas. going forward. And also he's got five forwards. You've got none. Let's be clear. Zeus will come good. <laughs> let's be clear. They've got the, uh, you know, that, that great home form that they have. They haven't been playing particularly well this season. At the beginning of the season, they were still finding their feet. When they really hit their straps, they'll be a force to be reckoned with, I think. Quick word on the atmosphere at the uh, Etihad Stadium because Pep Guardiola again was going around. Well, it was all right to start with and they really ramp it up well. And I always find this at the Etihad. They start really well. Mm. But the surroundings are so good. It is sometimes so comfortable for them that people sort of drift off at the beginning of the, of the second half. And that was an issue. And Pep was going around. He was saying, I can't hear you. He was walking over to a section. Come on, I need you. I need more from you. When I spoke to him about it afterwards, it was... Well, I need noise. I love noise. I just want noise or whatever. And he was reluctant to get too involved in it. But it's clear that they need a little bit more from the fans in, that, in those moments where the game's starting to go a little bit flat. I, I agree. Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to take the advantage to have a go at Man City fans because I'll get battered for that. But is it not the 12.30 kickoff slot, though, is a problem as well? Is he suggested it, that. Is it not issue? often quite flat? Because There's you, a different atmosphere. You, you look at the Brentford-Arsenal game, that was really raucous. Obviously, I've done a lot of the big games on a Sunday this season. And the atmosphere is always terrific. I think that 12.30 slot, when maybe people have been out the night before, 
the players are a little bit lethargic as well. Like it's, it's they just, don't all live like you. No, but it's not. It's just every not, football fan's not out in the raz on the. There Friday wouldn't be night. many football fans <laughs> if everyone lived like him. Exactly. We're still amazed he's here. But but it's, it just always seems to be a little bit flat at twelve thirty on a Saturday. Brentford nil, Arsenal one. Uh, City uh, Liverpool result meant Arsenal could go top. And in brackets here, the producer has put quick. Now, <laughs> quick. That's my point. You see, there's a media. There's an anti-Arsenal bias. How can you so quick when a team's gone to the top of the league? I've been waiting for this all day. I wouldn't let him just... talk about it on the Sunday session because I've been waiting for this moment. He's absolutely furious. He thinks there's a media bias there is. against Arsenal. Should there we is. talk about Brentford? We've done there's... Arsenal, haven't we? I'll tell you why. Because everyone's looking at that game with the draw. Obviously, Man City and Liverpool. It was Arsenal's chance you know, to go top of the league. And everyone's looking at the game thinking, oh, I wonder if you're going to slip up if you're not going to win. And when it was nil-nil... You could. I was um, coming back on the train. I was looking on my phone. And like, oh, Arsenal ain't playing well. Are they going to bottle going top of the league? And then when Kai Havertz scores, and then you win one 0 and then the narrative is, well, Arsenal didn't play very well. They weren't free flowing. Even Unity was afterwards. And you think, no, no, nobody's free flowing when he goes to the Tech. Um, it doesn't work that way. I think. I think the one of the back pages of one of the papers today says Havertz strikes late as Gunners go top. Great big picture. This one ignores it completely. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> Right, so, and and when they're saying it was a bit of a clunky performance... Well, it was. It, but that's how you win league titles. Okay, but be, when you're not we playing don't, well... We're not going to lie and say that it was free-flowing when it wasn't. It was a good It was good performance in the fact no, that you've gone battling. to a very difficult place to go. Yes. You've won. You've got three points. Physical. And you're top of the league. What? what where, where's the agenda? What, being last on... Oh, I can't talk about that, can we? But um, is, is you, is you, Actually, are you just annoyed at match of the day? No, I'm not. I'm, I, I knew, and I know what the narrative would have been, it would have been that Arsenal missed the chance if they hadn't won the game to go top of the league and they've shown a bit of frailty, then you win it. And that never happens, so you're just making that up. No, I'm not. I know, I, I know the Arsenal, the anti-Arsenal <laughs> bias in the media. Trust <laughs> me. And that's there's why, so many Arsenal supporting journalists right. in the print media. There's so many, there's so many, anti, about there's so many anti-agendas. And everyone's anti-Liverpool. Everyone's anti-Manchester City. Everyone's anti-Chelsea. Everyone's anti-Manchester United. Everyone's anti-Arsenal. I mean, you can't be anti-everything. And Can I ask you a serious and, question? Do you get a trophy for being top in November? No, but you will get one when you win it in uh, May. Oh, look at that. He's a still. There's a still behind the eyes. <laughs> why, why are you so convinced? Because... We ain't playing as well as what we were at this stage of the same uh, last season. Mm. I know we're not, I know Man City aren't, obviously Liverpool aren't. So I think well, Liverpool are, are probably playing better than they Arsenal, were at this stage last season. Yeah, but they've not hit the yeah. peak that they can hit. Arsenal can only improve, and everybody's saying about that's without a uh, natural goal scorer. Even Jesus has said himself, isn't it? I'm not a natural goal scorer, I'm trying to take the pressure off of himself. Declan Rice has made a massive difference, a mm. massive difference with the physicality, and that's why. Arteta played him as the pivot yesterday at the base of midfield, not Jorginho, because he knew that obviously Brentford were very physical. And then obviously Kai Havertz coming on and getting his goal. You hope that his confidence goes on. So I just think there's a belief about this Arsenal side what wasn't there last year because they hadn't been in that position before. Obviously, it's all key is your main player staying fit. And when Thomas Frank said... They did really well against Martinelli. They did really well against Bukayo Saka. We kept them quiet until kept the last quiet few seconds. Until the last few seconds. And that's when you want your quality players to deliver. And oh. that's exactly what Bukayo Saka did. It was a cross. peach of a ball, that, wasn't it? Well, it was similar to the Chelsea game, wasn't it? When they came back and took yeah. a point there late on Saka with a cross for Trossard, I think it was on that occasion. At so the back post. He's the key man for me, Bukayo Saka. I think if you are going to win the Premier League, 
I think it's probably still a big if at this stage. He is going to have a You've massive done role well to, to do that, though. Pick out Bakayo Saka as Arsenal's key man. I mean, amongst that sea of, well, of great players, it was like, you know, that's really left field. But that's another good point what you've made there. The Chelsea game, when we're 2-0 down and not in the game at all after 70 minutes and look like still you're Still coming beat, back and getting a point. Then you come back and get a point. So there's mm. all these little pointers, right? You're going to send Rob Sanchez a little magnum of champagne if you do win the league. Unless Aaron Ramsdale ends up giving the ball away inside his penalty area, like he almost. But we've got Declan Rice to get back on the line to clear it off, so we're right. Haven't we? <laughs> what Should have scored with, there in Burma. What happened with uh, Ramsdale? What, well, what do you put that I, down to? Well, we spoke about it in the in the uh, pre-weekend podcast. There was so much pressure on Ramsdale going into that nervous. game, and that that has been whipped up mm. by Mikel Arteta. I agree with Gary Neville on that. It's a needless sideshow, mm. and uh, I feel for him. Uh, actually, he composed himself quite well. And in the second half, I think he was back to the old Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah, but they might need him later on in the season. Uh, let's look at the rest of Saturday now, starting with a thumping win for Newcastle United. Well, Crook and I were in Newcastle on Friday night, and um, I must admit, the, 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 <laughs> the noises coming out of the training ground on Friday were not that positive. I don't think they really fancied themselves going into it, or certainly that was the way they were playing it, but they were a little bit coy because they did have a couple back, including Alexander Rizek, and boy, did he make an impact. It was a thumping, thumping victory, wasn't it? Did it have you worried about your Aston Villa bet when you first saw the result? Um, Yeah, a little bit, because obviously the narrative was that Chelsea had turned a bit of a corner, but again, if I take you back to... Midweek, I said Thiago I, was, Silver, I wasn't necessarily convinced that Chelsea had turned a corner. The biggest worry is when Thiago Silva tries to turn a <laughs> corner. Turn. It's like the QE2 trying to turn. Uh, was uh, he 39? Yeah, he looked 39. Like he was about 79, didn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think... Um, he's a great servant. He's I a think he's becoming a problem, though, but it is it? at the heart yeah. of that defence. And, and Rhys James is a problem as well. I think at the minute he's a little bit too emotional. He's obviously not quite match fit and match sharp and maybe that's having an impact. Do you know what? I wanted to talk about this because I'm a little bit worried about Rhys James and I'm worried about him for this reason. He's a brilliant footballer and he's obviously got Chelsea at his heart but I think yesterday exposed two things. He didn't look 100% fit and he got outdone for pace by Anthony Gordon quite considerably. And I went back and, and, and I think we talked about this before about his injury record and the issues that he has had over the course of the last few years. And I wonder when this starts to become a little bit of a red flag. He's 23 years of age, so it might just be someone who's played a lot of stop-start football because of COVID, because of so many games, because of the odd injury here and there, and his body hasn't yet caught up to the way he wants to perform over the course of his career. But the record is worrying. Nine games already he's missed this season through injury. 25 games last season through injury. 20 in 21-22. Nine in 2021. 63 games in three and a half seasons he has missed the football. He's lost 175 days to hamstring injuries alone. Well, that, that is a concern. Your pace. That affects your pace. Well, the thing is, it affects your pace and it affects your confidence because people think it's confidence about getting on the ball, you know, and having a like, decent touch and make the right decision. It's confidence in your body, mm-hmm. that you can push your body, you can play to your maximum, and then you don't think about having injuries. I remember Mike Lowen saying he had really bad problems with his hamstrings. And he said he wasn't the same player when he kept having these recurrence of hamstrings. You end up running differently, then you put pressure on other parts of your body. And I, the sending off, obviously, got one of them sort of like just kicking the kicking ball away. The ball away yeah. But the other uh, one where he, he tripped Anthony Gordon up and he grabbed him, that's just pure frustration. Because a fully fit Reese James 
doesn't do that because in your head you think, I've got a chance here of recovering. Yeah. I might get back around the other side. So maybe you said they're, they've got to look at him better, manage him better, like Everton are doing with Calvert-Lewin, who's had loads of like different injury problems. So it might be a case of playing a lot of football when you're younger, mm. you know, um, obviously coming up through the age groups. And you say he's, he's 23 now. So, um, yeah, he, he didn't. He just didn't look comfortable in his... He's in, in his own head. Kieran Trippier looked comfortable. Anthony Gordon looked comfortable. Even Lewis Miley at 17 Brilliant. looked really Great comfortable. Ball for, uh, Isaac's and goal. the ball for the goal yeah. was terrific, wasn't it? He really was. How do you think they'll get on in Paris? They've got a chance. You know, you look at the first game against PSG. It was... It, Spinter's back, is he? Oh, he's back. It, no, but it was so convincing, wasn't it? The, the, the manner yeah. of victory in the first game at St James's Park. I mean, we see PSG as this, this, this global team of superstars, but actually... Not sure they're very good. I think I think Newcastle, if they can play anywhere near their full capability, I think you might be commentating on a famous Newcastle away win. There you go. Hmm. Well, no, splint- Pope, no splinters there. Exactly not wrong. Nick Pope will have to be in good form, and he has been in decent form as well. To be fair, he's made big saves when he's needed to. So um, yeah, I agree with you, Craig. I think they've got. Uh, a decent chance. Well, I hope so. We're at the part of the France live on Talksport on Tuesday night, uh, and uh, it should be a, a very good experience. Um, in terms of relegation, first home win for Luton over Palace keeps them out of the bottom three because of the points deduction for Everton. Bournemouth make really light work of Sheffield United. You were at this game. It may have been a bit of a six pointer, but no one told Sheffield United. Sheffield United were awful because um, they played too deep. Paul Heckenbottom, I could see him on the touchline. He wanted his team to be more physical and, and try and get about Bournemouth. To be fair, that was probably un, under Andoni Iriola. That was probably their best performance. They were good against Newcastle. I tell, well. you, I tell you, it was very good. Um, in the midfield uh, area, you had Lewis Cook, who was excellent, and Ryan Christie. Like Lewis Cook plays a bit deeper, Ryan Christie just plays a bit in front. And the uh, Sheffield United midfield didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to go and engage him. Semenio was very good. Severni obviously getting his, his two goals. Clivert getting his goal as well. Is, the, um, is it the third player to score in all five major leagues? And the yeah. youngest, I think. As the well, youngest to do so. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you know the other two? The other two, all five major leagues. Oh, that's a good shout. Ruud van Nistelrooy? Nope. Zlatan? Zlatan? Nope. I know one. Samuel Eto'o? Nope. Mm. It's got you, isn't it? Radichoyu wow. is one of them. You that's, don't know the other. Is that it? Isn't it? And yeah. I forgot the other one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question though, isn't it? And the other thing with Clivert as Put well. Put the answer in the comment section if you've got it. Um, um, the other thing with Clivert as well, he's actually scored in the area division where obviously Radicho didn't. So yeah, he's, so he's the only person to have done that, I yeah. think. Um, in terms of the goalkeeping for that goal, that was pretty... Jovetic. Jov- Stefan Jovetic. I think so. Uh, okay, don't, don't hold him to it though. Um, <laughs> You're shouting out random names. Poor old, Wes, poor old Wes Fotheringham <laughs> couldn't hold on to it either, which is why um, Clivert got his first goal in that game. Burnley blew a lead as well in their match at Turf Moor. I mean, Vincent Company was sort of coming out and saying, being quite admirable, you know, we played well for 86 minutes. The problem is now, matches are, are well into their 90s and they keep losing late goals and boy, did they. I mean, I, I think actually they should have had a, a penalty before they got a penalty. Mm. Because I thought that they were both penalties on Colio's show. But you've got to defend better than that, especially towards the end of a game if you want to hold on to points. It's been their problem all season. And I think this was a massive opportunity lost for Burnley. I actually fancy Burnley to get a result in this game because no Bowen, no Antonio, two such key players for West Ham. The fact they got themselves into a winning position, West Ham missing two such important players and still couldn't get over the line. I think it's a big concern for Burnley. I'm still surprised 
that Vincent Company isn't coming under more pressure because at the minute that they, they, they just don't look like they're capable of of mounting any kind of challenge to stay in the Premier League. So let's talk about that because we're still what into November, nearly December. We haven't had a manager that's been fired yet, and there are increasing noises about Paul Heckingbottom, mm-hmm. Steve Cooper, yeah, and Vincent Company. So what? who do you think there is deserving of more criticism out of those three? More criticism. I'd go, I think Vincent Company is getting away. I know, obviously, they think that he's probably a season in front of where they expect him to be. And he changes Signs the some culture. Players. And the thing, they're just a naivety about Burnley. They're just too easy to play against. Even when they start dropping deeper against West Ham, obviously, Suchek gets his goal, which is the um, second one in, in two games. But... Yeah, I think he's getting a bit of a free pass. Are you not surprised that Hacking Bottom hasn't come under more criticism today, bearing in mind how they played yesterday in the game? Because they're playing against Bournemouth. This is a this is a game that they should be targeting, especially at home. Well, I said there was no there was no intensity about Sheffield United yesterday. There was no uh, aggression about them. To be fair, when Arlene McBurney came on, he he did make a difference because he tried to be a, a little bit physical. But I don't think, from what I saw yesterday with Sheffield United. I think they're done and dusted. I don't think that there's the fight that the Luton players have and the belief that they have in the manager like Luton players have in Rob Edwards. Well, match of the day left their uh, best till last and Steve Cooper had a bit of a rant yesterday in the Nottingham Forest game. Well, after the Nottingham Forest game, they were beaten by Brighton by three goals to do. It was a topsy-turvy game, an entertaining game of football. Uh, Brighton coming out the victors, but he was very unhappy about a few decisions and he was unhappy about a few stories that have started to come out over the last 24 hours about his job as well. We were talking about his post-match interview and how it was slightly... We didn't really understand what he was having... A, a he really went in on Anthony Taylor. He did. I didn't understand what that was about. I just wonder whether or not there's a bit of pressure coming his way. Obviously, he was very strong that it wasn't a penalty uh, for Brighton. But it was. I thought it was the clearest penalty you'll see. It was a penalty. <laughs> anywhere, any weekend. So it was a strange time to run to Anthony Taylor. And maybe with hindsight, when you see the story on the back page of the Mail on Sunday, maybe that is a manager under big pressure. I think the next game is against Everton. And if they were to lose that, then, then maybe there will be questions see, asked. That doesn't really make any sense, really, because last season, when they couldn't get a win, and you can understand why the pressure was built. But again, another manager that he's got a team up probably a, a season earlier than what they thought he would. Now, this season, where I don't think they've got any chance of getting relegated and they're going to solidify their place in the Premier League, then he's come, becoming under more Maybe pressure. the owner, we know the owner is a little bit erratic and he's quite ambitious. He's, he's, he's spoken to Jim White on TalkSport about that. Maybe he feels like they've not kicked on necessarily enough as they should have done. But they signed 15 players in the summer, I think, in the end. It was 30 last year, wasn't it? I, I think it's really interesting. I wonder whether or not Steve Cooper is, is, is under... You know Steve Cooper. I do. And I, and I, and You're I, surprised by his actions after the match. Well, I'm surprised, really. I, I imagine this is a guy who's done an outstanding job at Nottingham Forest, Agreed. who is absolutely 100% backed by all of the supporters and has a great relationship with that group of players, a huge group of players, by the way, and with the, uh, the supporters. And every time there is a slight dip, just a slight dip, there is constant yeah. speculation over and over and over and over again about his job. And you would think that a manager that has taken Nottingham Forest into the Premier League for the first time in over 20 years would be afforded the odd dip every now and again, bearing in mind this time two years ago they were bottom of the championship. So I'm not surprised that in the end 
it's starting to affect yeah, him a little bit. Can I, can I just say, in the interest of balance, I did make some inquiries after that story came out and the information that I received was that it's correct to say he's under pressure, but at the moment there's no immediate desire to make a change. But this Everton game feels like quite a big one. But hasn't he just got to ignore all the noise? Just ignore it completely because he's been but in That's difficult to do, I would imagine. David Moyes does it quite well. Does he? Sometimes yeah. he, he reacts to it. No, I, I think it, he could take a good lesson from David. I think David Moyes, you say, I can't control anything what's going on outside because uh, his job... Yeah, but he's not said, always the easiest to deal with. Sometimes he, all of the managers have their moments and, and, and that's understandable because of the pressure that are in, is involved with it. I think ultimately, yes, you do have to be able to, to, to filter out the noise every now and again. But at the same time, you can understand whilst that, while that pressure builds up. Yeah, you can, but at the moment... Uh, I know Nottingham Forest obviously got beat by Brighton, but their performances this season have probably been more consistent and better yeah. at the same stage of what they were last season, where yeah. they had to go get themselves used to the Premier and, League. And, and they've, they've, again, they've suffered with injury. No Awani, the greatest will in the world. Chris Wood is not a like-for-like -like replacement. I don't know what Chris Wood is doing for the penalty, by the way. And, and that's why it's even stranger that Steve Cooper has decided to, to go in on someone well, who put both his he says down. is the best referee in the country. But to suggest that Anthony Taylor has somehow been affected by all the negativity around VAR. I think it was out of order, to be honest. Interesting. OK, Fulham Wolves on Monday Night Football, uh, live on TalkSport. Uh, then we go to Paris for Newcastle United's trip to Paris Saint-Germain. Wednesday night, Galatasaray Manchester United is live on TalkSport 2 at 5.45. It's a pivotal game. And then Adrian takes you round the grounds before we've got Europa League action on Thursday night as well. Next weekend, more live football for you from the Premier League and the Championship as well, Newcastle against Manchester United. Uh, plus, I think I'm doing West Brom versus Leicester next Saturday as well. It's a massive weekend. It's always a massive week on TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 